0: we'd be picking right back up with uh, James number 11 or wherever it is in in, in that uh, lesson series but this last week um, after Mother's Day weekend which always kills me because of those those slideshows um, they just start uh, well yeah anyway so uh, after Mother's Day weekend I'm always wiped out and then my family started to come into town because we had a wedding here uh, my niece Caitlin got married on Friday and I performed that ceremony. And so all of these things are going on this last week. So Friday night, I sat down finally, I mean, I already knew what I was going to do and the lesson I was going to teach on and the part of the scriptures I was going to teach on. And I sat down to sort of, you know, come up with some creative ideas for how to talk about that. And my brain rebelled. <laughs> it said, no, we are not thinking about anything brand new right now. And so I was like, okay, well then... Prodigal son. I like the prodigal son. I'm going to talk about the prodigal son and we'll, uh, we'll pick back up with James next week as long as my brain doesn't keep rebelling. But um, I called today's lesson the prodigal sons and the prodigal dad. Uh, and hopefully by the time we're done, that will make sense. Because it's not just the story of one prodigal person. It's the story of three. So Luke sets this whole thing up. Um Jesus is, is speaking one day, he's teaching, and Luke tries to give us this picture of why Jesus tells these particular stories at this particular moment in time. And you find this set up in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 2. He says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. And so really, it's sort of like the the verbs in this uh, uh, short passage of scripture sort of set everything up. You've got the sinners are gathering, you've got Jesus teaching, and you've got the religious elite grumbling. And so it's sort of a powder keg moment. And everybody... From the first when Jesus started teaching and accepting anybody who wanted to come back home. I mean, the religious elite had had, made, had turned telling people that they were too far gone. They, the religious elite had turned that into an Olympic level sport. They were professionals at it. And so because of that, there were entire groups of people in the first century who thought they, just, they, they had gone too far. They could never come back home. And Jesus' entire ministry, from his teaching to his stories to the way that he treated people, just flew in the face of everything that the religious elite held dear. And so this is a powder keg moment. Everybody's constantly wondering, is Jesus going to back off now? Is he going to crumble under the pressure of these religious people that that that, that seem to have all of the answers, that seem to be the people that speak for God? And so Jesus, in this moment, he these... Everybody's feeling it. and So Jesus tells three stories. Uh, The first one is about a lost coin. He says there's this woman lost a coin in her house. She turned everything upside down, swept from, from corner to corner until she found that coin. And when she found it, she told all of her neighbors to come and celebrate with her because she had found this lost thing that was so important to her. Second story is about a shepherd that has 100 sheep. And Jesus says he loses one of them. And so the shepherd leaves the 99 that aren't lost and he goes out and searches until he finds that one sheep that was lost. And when he finds it, he brings it back home and he says to all of his friends, come celebrate with me because I found this thing that was lost that was so important to me. And so everybody knows exactly what he's saying, right? Everybody is listening to him. The the notorious sinners that Luke talks about here, they were saying, that's me. I'm the lost coin, I'm the lost sheep. That's me, he's talking about me, he's saying it's not too late for me. The religious leaders, they also knew exactly what he was saying and they were not happy, okay? Um, let's watch this. Now about the DJ? Um, generally I have a firm no dancing policy, but if she asks, you cannot say no. is the one thing I'm not worried about. But if there are people there, and I'm they I get worried uh, uh, and then I, I hate to be a stickler, but in, I uh, need to be thorough. Can you um, show me what you mean by you're not worried about it? Trust me. Pizza! Big town, dad! That's what it's all about right there. See how it gets bigger? Now I'm gonna start the fire. But the feet are going. I start the fire, I make the pizza. Hips are always going. There. him, the bear? the q-tip, 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 throw ah, it away, that's not working, you know it is, don't ever do that again, do you hear me, just expressing myself, New. No. New. No. No. Mm-mm. Not like that, you're not. All right? This is where you live. Right here. You live right here, okay? This is home. None of this. I don't see none of that. We don't need no pizza. They got food there. Elbow, Six inches from the waist. Ninety-degree angles. Don't don't you bite your lips. Stop it. Even a great dancer can lose it with one of these. Okay, see now that's what I need to be learning. Next subject. Get out. And sort of, that's what's going on here, right? Sort of. Um, The Pharisees are trying to tell Jesus, stop expressing yourself, right? When Jesus expresses himself, they don't like it. It's like they're trying to tell him, no, 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 no. This is where you live right here, where you're, you know, it's like, don't, don't be telling these people that we've been telling for so long that they're too far gone. Don't be telling them that they're okay. Don't be telling them, well, not that they're okay, but that they can come home, right? I mean, you just have to look to see these people that are living these lives, they, their lives are filled with the consequences of the choices they've made. Nobody, not even they, would say, yes, I'm okay, right? But what drove Jesus crazy was that they had come to believe the lie that there was no coming home. And so Jesus tells these stories, and now he gets to this third lost thing. First a lost coin, then a lost sheep. Now, in Luke 15, verse 11, he says, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, this would have shocked everybody that was there that day. Everybody would have been shocked. uh, Because... First of all, no, no son would go to his father and say, give me my share now. Because you wouldn't expect that anybody, because there's no father that would do that, right? What the father would do if you did that is say, get out, right? Get out, you don't get anything, but you also don't get to stay in this family. If that's, if that's what you want, you can have it, but you get nothing. And so no kid would ever ask for it. No father would ever say okay, And so everybody's shocked. The notorious sinners are shocked. The religious elite are shocked that this kid would say, give it to me. They were equally shocked, probably gasped out loud when Jesus said, and so he divided the property between them. What father would ever do that? Well, it turns out a prodigal father would do that. Now, prodigal, I used to think it meant lost, right? That's what I thought the word meant. Turns out prodigal means Wastefully, recklessly, extravagantly wasteful, right? Throwing away commodities, throwing away uh, treasure or goods. And so the father is basically, everybody would have thought, he's throwing away his money, giving his son his portion of the estate. So you've got a son who is a prodigal son who wastes not just the money that he's given, but he wastes his His relationship with his family, he he wastes community, he wastes love, he wastes family, he wastes everything. Then you've got this prodigal dad who wastes his money by giving it to his son. And so the son takes this money and off he goes. He goes off into a faraway land is what Jesus says, which would have been even worse to the people that were there that day. You could leave your town. You could leave your town and go and do some crazy things, but if you took your inheritance and you took it out of Israel and into the land of the, the non Jewish people and you wasted it there, well then you had not only had you wasted what you got but you hadn 't even blessed the other Jewish people with it, you were like you know doubly bad and so this was this was as bad as you could get, and not only did he waste it all Jesus says he wasted on well, the word that's used in the King James Version is he wasted on prodigal living, right? Wasteful, reckless, extravagant. He's just throwing it away. Um, the newer versions say things like riotous living. I mean, it make your mind go crazy. Okay, what exactly defines wasteful and riotous? And, you know, what, what exactly? The, Jesus doesn't tell us exactly what that is. But when he spends everything... He doesn't have any friends left. They all leave. He doesn't have any money. He doesn't have a job. He doesn't. And then the land that he's in falls into a famine. And so he can't get a job. Finally gets one feeding pigs, which is like the worst thing that a Jewish young man would ever have to do. It was like you can't imagine a worse thing. And he's feeding the pigs. Not only that, he's looking at the food that he's feeding them and thinking, man, I'd sure like to eat some of this slop. But he can't. They won't let him. And so he's feeding the pigs, and he's sitting there thinking to himself, you know what? The servants have life better than I do back at my father's place. And so here's the the plan that he hatches, Luke 15, verse 18. He says, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Now... He starts his walk back and he's probably rehearsing this speech over and over and over again. I, I don't know if you've ever been there. I know I have. And, uh, you know, trying to figure out how, what's the best way to say this to get the desired outcome, right? And as he's on his way, the people that are sitting there listening to Jesus that day are on the edge of their seats because they know, well, it's just part of their culture. There's this ritual called kezaza that the elders of a village would perform if somebody had taken their, their, their father's or you know, their family's wealth, had taken it out of Israel, wasted it all, and now we're trying to come back. Kezazah literally means broken. And what they would do is, when you got to the town gates, the elders would stop you. And that's where the, the, the elders just hung out, at the town gates all day long. If you read through Proverbs, you see there are these guys, these older, wise members of the town that people would bring their problems to. They'd ask them, you know, to, to, to solve, you know, sort of, uh, you know, rule on disputes that they have between themselves, get advice, those kinds of things. And so they were already there. They would stop the person from coming in, they would take the pot, and they would break it at this person's feet and declare them, Kezaza. They, they had broken... Faith, they had broken family, they had broken community, they had broken relationship, trust, all of those things. Now you are permanently broken from this town, and after that, the person could never come back to town. And so, everybody that's there that day, probably several of them are in attendance that day. That if they ever tried to go back home, that's exactly what would happen to them. They would be well. They would be put through this ritual of kezazah. And so, as he's coming, everybody's probably thinking, what's going to happen? When he gets to the town gates. And so Jesus says, when he was still a long ways off, his father sees him from far away. And Jesus says his father runs to him. Not just, there's different words in in the Greek language for runs. You know, some of them are sort of, you know, you're just sort of out for a jog type of thing. Some of them are, you know, this is like the word for he was sprinting, okay? And Jewish dads did not sprint. In the first century it was considered to be dishonorable okay this was like you people would be like you know you'd you'd make a complete clown of yourself right but this dad is sprinting for his son and i used to think it was because his son he just missed him so much you know he's like gosh i it's it's been years since i've seen him i just i can't wait for him to get to the door of my house i've got to go to him and maybe that's all it was but the more I learn about the culture and the customs of Israel in that day, the more I'm thinking, I don't think that dad wanted his son to get to the town gates before his dad could get to him, right? He didn't want the town elders to get to his son before he did. And so I have this picture now in my mind of him running through the streets of the city and then finally just, you know, right past the, through the gate, past all those elders, and they're like... What 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 is he doing? You know what I mean? And when you have I don't know if you've ever tried to run in long robes, you know, ladies in your dresses, I bet you have an idea of what he's going through. They would they would do this thing they called girding up their loins. They would take the the the, the, the robe and they'd pull it up and they'd sort of pull the bottom through underneath here and they and so it looked ridiculous, right? But it's the only way you could run. And here he is, he's just sprinting for his son. So that' so that he won't lose the opportunity of bringing his son back home. Let's watch this. It's been a long time since you felt peace. In the valley you made where you're not meant to be, where the shame throws shadows on you. But don't you forget that you're headed to more, but you said for. And that's where we are in the story right now right where the dad and the son are finally reunited and so he brings his son back home and and the rest of the story is really the 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 last well i mean the only two points of the lesson today um basically what is jesus getting at with this story what are the people that were out there that day the notorious sinners and the religious elite what is the point that they get from jesus whether they liked it or not First point is this, it's never too late to come home. That's the first, I mean, main point to me of prodigal son's story. It is never too late. You can never get too far away that it is not okay to come back home. God is always waiting for us to come back home. Now he won't force you to stay. He won't go out and grab you and drag you home by the ear either. He will let you make your own choices. And we will have to live with the consequences of those choices that we make. But it, when, when someone decides to come home, it is never too late with God. In Luke 15 verse 21, when the father is sitting there, he's coming up on his son and his son starts the speech that he's been practicing, right? Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. He doesn't even get to finish his speech. His father cuts him off. Going on in Luke 15, 21. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And so the party began. Now, it's interesting, the robe that is put around the younger son. Uh, Paul talks about when we become followers of Jesus that he uses this phrase. He says, we are clothed with Christ. It's like Jesus wraps us in the robes of his own righteousness. Uh, The ring that uh, his father talks about. I used to think it was just, you know, it's like he's, he, 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 needs to, he needs to have bling, you know? We need, we need to make sure that he looks like a son of mine. But that's, it's much more than that. The ring was a signet ring that would have showed the son's place in the family. He is being welcomed back in to the family. That's what this is all about. And the people that were there that day, there were some of them that liked what they heard and others that didn't. Watch this. Oh my gosh! Look at that fluffy unicorn! He's so fluffy I'm gonna die! You gotta let us play for it. No, 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 no. Come on! Uh, How much for the fluffy unicorn? Oh, (laughs) well, it is not for sale, but all you gotta do to win it is knock down that little spaceship there. (laughs) Huh? <laughs> it's easy! <sighs> Dad with my own eyes. Hey, buddy, let me explain something to you. You see that little tin spaceship? You see how it's not knocked over? Do you know what that means, Professor? It means you don't get the unicorn! Oh! Oh, oh somebody's got a frowny face. Boom. Better luck next time. Okay, my torment. Sort of the way that the religious leaders would feel after Jesus would tell a story you know just kind of like they were dazed they had no idea what they had just heard what does that even mean what why and and the people on the other side though were saying yes that was awesome and and so when they hear this when they hear this coming from Jesus that it's never too late to come home they are thrilled but there's another um, another side to this story, I guess I'd say. You know, one of the most brilliant things about Jesus' stories is that you can almost always, you're almost irresistibly drawn to identifying with one of the characters in the story. Up until now, with the lost coin and the lost sheep, and now even the first half of the lost brother story, it's like the notorious sinners have somebody to identify with. But up until now, the religious leaders haven't had anybody that they could identify with in the story. Enter the older brother. Because when the older brother starts coming home, they're having a big party at home, right? The dad is throwing a party for this younger son who's come home. And the older brother comes back, and he can tell there's a party going on. He just doesn't know what's happening. So he asks one of the servants, what's going on? The servant says, oh, your, your little brother's home. Your dad put... New robes on him, new sandals on his feet, put the family ring on his finger, and now we are having a party. Come on in, they're waiting for you. But the older brother won't do it. The older brother is mad. The older brother sits down out, you know, on the front steps and refuses to go in, which is where we have uh, come to the second and final point for today, which is that self-righteousness or pride or condemnation or judgmentalness, it will kill your relationship with the Father, every bit as thoroughly, effectively, and quickly as outright rebellion does. And what you find as Jesus finishes this story is that you have two brothers who rebel against their father. One by being very, very bad, and one by being very, very good. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being good, okay? But the Pharisees, Jesus at one point says to them, you obey the external observances, the regulations of the law flawlessly, but you miss the heart of the law. the law. Your obedience to these to these external regulations is drawing you farther away from the heart of the Father when they should be drawing you closer to Him. And that's exactly what's happening with the older brother in uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 28. They, they, they go in and tell the dad he's not coming out. So his father went out to him and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, after all these years, I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Now, the people that were there that day would have gasped at this statement from the older brother, too. This was, you know son would ever speak to his father. I mean, things were completely different back in those days, right? Nobody would ever talk to their dad that way. It was completely dishonoring. It was completely disobedient to talk like that. It's like, you know, we don't really see it in our modern day, but it's like the people that were there that day would have said, that guy is doing almost exactly the same thing to his dad as his little brother did. He just feels justified in doing it. Right? He feels holy self-righteousness. He's like, yeah, I would never behave this way except you've brought this on yourself, Dad. That's exactly what he's saying to him. And he is break- you know, when he says, I've never disobeyed your orders, one of the Ten Commandments is honor your mother and father. One of the most important commands in the entire Old Testament is is to love your family, love your brother, love your sister, love your dad, love your mom. It's like he is breaking all kinds of commandments. He's just, he's just, it's like he's running through the Old Testament and just destroying things. The things that the entire Old Testament sort of stands upon. This guy in one fell swoop is just sort of doing almost exactly the same thing that his brother did. He goes on. In Luke 15, verse 30, he says, When this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. Now, the the language that the older brother is using, he he doesn't say to his dad, Father, let me talk to you about what's bothering me. No, he says, look, which... That wouldn't fly, okay? He doesn't say dad. He doesn't say father. He just says, look. Then when he gets here, he won't say, my, when my brother comes home. No, when this son of yours, he is separating himself. He is breaking relationship. He is putting himself outside of the family. Now, what's interesting is, in most, the people that were there that day, they would have expected that when the older brother refused to come in, most dads would have said, fine, let him rot out there. If he doesn't want to come home, he doesn't have to come home. But this dad, just like he ran to his son, his his younger son, he goes out to his older son. It's not like if you're an older brother, you can't come home either. It's like, no, he's like, come home. Come in. I want you too. I want the younger son that's been off doing all kinds of crazy things and has fallen off the deep end. And I want the older brother that thinks that the younger brother has gone too far and is now shocked that the father is welcoming the younger brother in. He's like, I want everybody at home. And so he goes out, and he starts using inclusive words with his son. Look at what he says in Luke chapter 15, verse 31. His father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours, which is literally true, right? The the younger brother got his share. When he gets a robe wrapped around his shoulders, that's... Technically, literally, the older brother's robe. When he gets new sandals for his feet, those sandals belong to the older brother. The ring, the the food that he's eating, everything belongs to the older brother. The younger brother already spent his. Everything I have is yours, he says. But we had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Everybody is sitting there, right, on the edge of their seats, wondering what the older brother's response will be. Will he come in? Will he not come in? Everybody's dying to know. What is the older brother going to do? And Jesus turns around and walks away. The story is over. And you're like, what? <laughs> he didn't finish the story? Well, what happens? What, did, couldn't he think of a good ending to the story? Is that why he didn't finish it? No. He, I think I know exactly how Jesus would end the story. But the reason that he doesn't end the story, I think, is because how the story ends is not up to him. Right? He tells us what the father's reaction is because that reaction is up to Jesus. But the older brother's reaction, that depends on each one of us, how we would finish the story. Right? See, like I said earlier, the Jesus' stories, people just sort of, irresistibly find themselves identifying with one or the other characters in the story. And it'll tell you a lot about yourself, which one of the characters in this story you identify with. And what Jesus is trying to say, when, as he just leaves this story right there, is you have to decide for yourself how this story ends. Will your decision about how this story ends draw you closer to the heart of the Father? or will it push you further away? Because see, there's a couple of different ways this story could end, right? The story could end with the older brother saying, no, this is too much, this is, I I can't accept this, I reject you, I reject my brother, I reject everything, I'm gonna leave and never come back, right? That's one of the ways that the story can end. Or maybe the story ends with the older brother realizing that he's done exactly the same thing to his father as his younger brother did. And it breaks his heart, and he falls to his knees, and he says, Father, forgive me, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But he can't even get all those words out. His father picks him up, he hugs him, he says, My son was lost, but now he's found, was dead, but now he's alive. Let's go to the party. And when they get inside, he sees his little brother across the room, all broken and, and looking like he has been through a rough life and it breaks his heart. And he runs across the room and he throws his arms around his brother's neck and he laughs louder and dances harder and, and, and parties more than anybody else in the entire room and the party is still going on to this very day. I have a feeling if Jesus could pick an end to that story, that would probably be the, the ending he would choose. The problem is it's not up to him. He can't stop the younger son from leaving. He can't force the younger son to come back. But when the younger son comes back, he is running to him. He can't force the older brother to come inside. He can't force the older brother to, to accept his, his his younger brother. But if the older brother ever chooses to do it, his father will run to him. That's the way that this story, well, that would be Jesus' choice, I think. And so the question is, how does the story end in... Your mind, that's the question. This week, I think that would be a great thing to spend some time asking yourself. How does this story end? When I was a younger man, I spent some time being just like that prodigal younger son. And then when I came back home, the father ran to me, right? And I I came back into his family and I started trying to do everything that I thought I was supposed to do. And then eventually I started to become more like the older brother. Because see, that's what will happen. When you become a follower of Jesus, you will either become more like the older brother or more like the father. The the, the only two options. And I started to go in that direction. And finally, I kind of had this moment where I realized that's what was happening. And I made a decision right then and there. I would dedicate the rest of my life to trying to become more like the father instead of more like the older brother. And that's what's brought me to this point in my life. Where are you? That's the the question that this story asks. How do you finish this story? Let's pray. Father, we are, all of us, in our own way, prodigal sons, prodigal daughters. Some of us have gone one direction and others of us have gone the other. So, Lord, whichever direction we have gone, we want to come home. And uh, thank you. Thank you that we are always welcome, that it is never too late come back to your house. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.